Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The tennis world is down under for the first major of 2023. And heading into day six, there is a collection of superstars and breakout performers all looking to make history. Another top ten upset for the American men as Seth Porta took out the seven seed in straight sets. Now just one win from his first major quarterfinal. Plus, the American hopes are sky high on the women's side as well. Jesse Pagula and Coco Gauff both won again, staying on course to meet in the semis. And we introduce you to a pair of teenage sisters who made history in the juniors and both took their game to the next level in Melbourne. All those stories and more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. There's a saying, don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It is already tomorrow in Australia. But while life will go on, the third round will not. That ends tonight. So how many tomorrows will exist for the players in Melbourne? It is day six of TC Live, our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action every day down under. And our featured matches on Rod Laver Arena begin with former world number one Karolina Pliskova, followed by Belinda Bencic, and then the highest-ranked Aussie man remaining, Alex Dimonor. In the night session, Novak Djokovic and Grigor Dimitrov meet for the 11th time, followed by Magda Lynette and Ekaterina Alexandrova. Uh, here's a look at Andy Murray coming in off the longest match of his life. Returns to the court tonight. He has spent 10 hours playing in the first two rounds. What will he have left for Roberto Bautista Agut? And Caroline Garcia hasn't dropped a set on her way to the third round. A win tonight against Laura Sigamon would equal her deepest run in Melbourne. A lot to get to over the next two hours. Great to have you here with us. As always, Steve Weissman, Hall of Famer Lindsey Davenport from 60 Minutes in Sports Illustrated, John Wertheim, and former pro, our global correspondent, Prakash Worldwide Amitraje. <laughs> it is day six. We've almost gotten through a week so far. And a lot happened last night. I feel like every day there's, every there's something day. special that's happened. And what stood out to you, Prakash? I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be Seb Korda for me. I mean, look, TC Live just about a week ago after Djokovic defeated him in that final where Seb was so close to getting over the hump. We were saying, you know what? He needs this big jump in a slam. We haven't seen it quite just yet. And boy, did we see it. I mean, for me, that was top two, three in the world type tennis. I mean, he was blasting the ball from the baseline right up on there, taking the ball early, serving volleying beautifully, just using a full-court game. The big difference, last year, a little bit soft. This year, all of a sudden, really playing like the heavyweight that he should be at 6'5". Impressive stuff. And you take a look at the draw, maybe the front runner to make the semi? In that quarter? I would think so. Yeah. Oh, after quarter. Yeah. Maria Sakari played. Do we believe in the Netflix curse here, guys? Do we believe in it or no? It's not looking good. Right no, now. I mean, Seven of eight are out. She, was, she all of a sudden wow. was a big favorite to do some damage. We've always had some question marks of her mental toughness. And, man, that is a tough loss to take. Zhu Lin played excellent. But... 
Bersakari, who was one of the favorites to win the tournament, losing to a player ranked 87 in the world, and quite frankly, not a lot of experience on this big of a stage. That one's got a sting for Sakari. She had a really good-looking draw as well, had high hopes, and just fizzled last night. I'll tell you a player who is in the women's draw. Her name is Lena Robachina. She won a tournament last year you may have heard of. It's called Wimbledon. <laughs> it did not come with ranking points, though, so she's been banished to, like, outer Perth hinterland courts. We haven't talked about her much on this show either, in fairness. She looked really good. She took out Danielle Collins yesterday, plays Iga Schwantek next. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be a little bit larger court for her. Yeah. get a big court for that one. Exactly. <laughs> get ready for labor. Yeah, right? Uh, Iga is the... Yeah, who's that? Uh, Rubakina? Yeah, going to cause some Definitely. trouble. Yeah. Upset? You picking an upset? I don't know if I'm going that too far. early in the show but, but, for tomorrow, that. Tomorrow, tomorrow, we'll talk <laughs> that way. But I certainly think it will be her toughest match thus far. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. By, by a long shot. I mean, you may not have seen Rabakina, but she can bring it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Iga, the defending U.S. Open champ, the defending men's champ, Carlitos Alcaraz, not here because he's injured, but he is coming back. Take a look at this. Tweeted today, he is back on the court, back on clay, and in a bit of a social media changeup, Prakash, He's wearing more than his Calvins. Yeah, I don't recognize him with this many clothes on there, but you know what? He still he looks in tremendous shape. Interesting, he's on the clay, wondering if he's just trying to treat the body a little bit nicer or if he's just going to start up uh, in South America where he had so much success last year. But thank God he's back on the court. I mean, just, you know, one of my all-time favorites to watch with the energy he brings. Lindsay did the research. Tell us when he's coming back. I started back, back right? at the Argentina Open we in go. a couple we weeks. We and uh, then we'll see. There's also the tournament, obviously, in Rio the week mm -hmm. after. So we'll have to see how many tournaments he wants to play, obviously, before the Sunshine Double, where he did so well last year. Yeah. Broke out in Miami. One night only against Nadal in Las Vegas, right before Indian Wells as well. He wouldn't want to miss that, would he? Well, we'll see if Rafa's going to be there yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. But no, he doesn't want That's a big payday for uh, Carlitos. Mm. By the way, w when he does return, he may not be number one in the world. Yeah, Novak right. Djokovic, Stefano Tsitsipas, if they win right. in Melbourne, one of them takes over as right. world number one. But good to see Alcaraz back on the court. Looking forward to seeing him February 13th. We'll have it for you here on Tennis Channel, that Argentina Open. A lot to get to over the next two hours. Could the Americans continue their historic fortnight? Plus, we introduce you to the latest cast of Sister Sister on the WTA Tour. And you don't want to miss our Bet 365 match preview. But when we return, it is the top storylines down under. Daniil Medvedev getting upset. Highlights from Iga Sviantek, Jesse Pagula, and Francis Tiafo. And, of course, talking about it all... We've got the GOAT coming up next. Martina Navratilova going to join us to break it all down. Stay close. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. A reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern every day. 
That includes tomorrow, Saturday, two-hour pregame show, getting you ready. First ball over on ESPN Plus, then at 7 a.m. Eastern. It is Tennis Channel's Encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. Always look forward to seeing that in the morning. Back over at the desk with Lindsay and John, and it is time to welcome in the 12-time Australian Open champion, there we go. Martina Navratilova. Uh, Marty, uh, Rosie Casals, the, the phone call yesterday, <laughs> what was it all about? What did... uh, she, she did see me on TV, and she calls me. I'm like, really? Anyway, but do you notice the nice light? I have no shadows. I finally was able to get the cord that one of the dogs chewed up on the halo light. Oh, and I have a good okay. light. So here we go. Okay. You're like MacGyver out there. That's amazing. <laughs> Paper clip. I need, I need, I need, I need help. I need help. <laughs> no, you're the best. Let's get rolling. Day five highlights, Marty. Uh, we'll start with you. Back-to-back -back finalists: Daniil Medvedev facing one of the eight remaining American men, Sebi Korda. Korda looking to match his best Grand Slam result and give that little tap to his dad, Peter Korda's championship banner. Yeah, such a nice gesture. I tell you, uh, Korda has lost these matches before when he had chances. Yesterday was a much better story. That ball just touches the line. He was up two breaks in that first set, let it slip away, but played really well when it mattered in the tiebreak, hitting this beautiful heads-up lob. Knows that Daniel likes to close the net off, gets the set point, and then finishes it off a couple points later. And now that he is relaxed, he was really aggressive. His game plan was go cross-court to the Medvedev forehand, and when Medvedev hits the ball back to him, he goes down the line and comes in on that ball. That was the pattern. Throws in a couple uh, couple servant volleys as well. Was just the more aggressive, more adventurous player. Uh, moving Medvedev around the court. Moving beautifully himself. And didn't let the nerves get in the way. As he finishes off the match in style. Well, 6-1, three more match points gone. But uh, finally gets it done on the fourth one. And uh, a big sigh of relief because, again, he's let these matches get away before. And this time he finished it up nicely. Biggest win of his life for Sevi Korda. First top 10 win at a major. Does it in straight sets against the two-time finalists there. Had 50 winners to 28 for Medvedev. Look at those points at the net. He had that approach and stuck to it. About 75% winning those. A lot of serving volleys, as Martina mentioned as well. Let Korda go. LFG, let's hear from Sevi. Probably one of the better matches I've played in my career and just um, uh, stuck stuck with the game plan, kept going after it. And uh, I think positive, uh, positive mentally throughout it, no matter what happened, just kept uh, kept pushing forward. And I'm growing as a person, as a player, and um, just um, just trying to do the right things. Just um, have fun, enjoy it, and, you know, good things will happen. It's fun when you pull off upsets like yeah. that, Lindsay. Uh, he said one of his mentors, Andre Agassi, stayed up all night in Vegas to watch him. That's pretty cool. Credits a new mental approach. Zero negative thoughts. He's had that all year long. So what positive things did you see from him? Well, obviously the game. And you can tell he's put in a lot of hard work on certain shots. His serve is working really well. He won more points on serve than Medvedev, who's been known for one of the best servers in men's tennis. But what I liked is how he went after the win at the end. He's had some heartbreaking losses. Lost to Novak with match point just a couple of weeks ago. Remember that match he played against Nadal a couple of years ago at Indian Wells? He's been close a couple of times to having some really big wins. It was great to see him close it out. How about that forehand on match point? Mm. Love it. He just stepped up and went for it. 
Even in this match, there were some some peaks and valleys where he had to play himself. He got broken a couple times, lost a couple points in that tie break that were a little loose. So really, even though it was straight set scoreline, there were some peaks and valleys there. I want to make equivalency big thing in media these days. I want to ask you guys, Martina, you can take this. How, how much do we worry about Medvedev, who was a set away from winning this mm. event last year and has really been in rough straight ever since? He's not even in the top ten after this tournament. I don't know if we can underestimate the emotional toll the war takes on both the Ukrainian players and the Russian and Belarusian players, because they had nothing to do with it. And it's just these emotions and the Russian players particularly, they're not exactly fan favorites. And I don't know if it bothers Daniel and me kind of played against it in the past, but it can't be helpful anyway. But uh, for Korda, uh, fantastic stuff. He really stepped it up. Uh, he had to have some scar tissue from not finishing these matches before. But, you know, uh, Rene Richards used to tell me, if you have a negative thought, replace it, because you can only think one thing at a time. And for him, the mantra is only positive thoughts, same end result. You're only staying in the solution. And it's clearly working very well for him. That's such a great approach like for anything in life. If you have a negative thought, replace it. You can always turn something into a positive. Love that. Sebi Korda has been doing it, and he is moving on. How about on the women's side? The world number one, Iga Sviantek, making a statement against Christina Buksha, Linz, uh, who just came off that win against Bianca Andreescu. Won the first 11 games of this match, barely lost points. And this was just all Iga. This was not even close. Sviantek was absolutely dominating. And by the way, she was going for her shots, absolutely crushing her ground strokes. Did an amazing job. Ended up with almost three times as many winners. I mean, there wasn't really much to this match except Shiontek on her front foot, consistently stepping in, ripping her shots. But again, you know, at the U.S. Open, we always go back to that Jules Niemeyer match. She turned things around in three sets. Well, she had a tough opening match here against Niemeyer also, and she has been looking fabulous ever since then. And when she's feeling confident to step in, I don't, some players are complaining about the balls and the speed of the court. Nothing is, seems to be bothering Iga here. She was up 11-0 before she lost a game. This was never close and never in doubt from the world number one. She's got 15 bagels in major yeah, matches now. That means she's dropped a bagel in more than 20% of her Grand Slam matches. I mean, that is dominance on a whole nother level for the Polish superstar. And not to be outdone, though, Jesse Pagula setting up her own bakery in Melbourne. John facing Marta Kostyuk to reach the second week here for the third straight year. Yeah, I'm just going to parrot everything Lindsay just said about Iga. Playing authoritative tennis against an opponent, really taking the match. Uh, no, this was uh, another great match by Pagula, who's the third seed. She's on pace to face Iga in the semifinals. They played about two weeks ago. Jesse Pagula won that match. And, boy, she's been terrific. This tournament, six sets. She's had 6-love, six 6-1, six 6-2, then a 7-6, then 6-0, oh, and 6-2 yesterday over Kostyuk, who's a nice player. Kostyuk held serve one time. Kostyuk won, listen, listen to this, 18% of her second serve points. That's not going to get it done against a number three player. And Jesse Bagula has gone from sort of an, an extra to a speaking role to an absolute star. She is playing like it. This is the highest she's ever been seated as a major. And she looks like a real contender, taking care of business. 65 minutes yesterday, barely broke a sweat. She is the protagonist. Pagula has lost just 11 games in six sets. She will face Barbora Krejcikova in the fourth round. And her doubles partner, Coco Goff, doing things as well. Martina playing fellow American Bernarda Perra. Goff returning really well. Had 16 break points that she generated. Yeah, she only broke four times, but put himself, put herself in that yeah, position quite time. often and really played solid all the way around. So quick off the mark to get to those short balls. 
What was it? The net and very effective there as well. Covering the court while spreading the court. And uh, Pera just had no answers for that. Um, Coco was 11 out of 12 at the net. How good is that? Look at this little touch. Just really keeps her head about her. And she's found a really nice balance between being intense and being relaxed. For me, in the past, she's been maybe too intense, too much. And now she's calmed down, and I think it's a really good balance of being positive, focused, and relaxed at the same time, which is a tricky thing to do, but uh, she's definitely been managing the fourth it round playing dominant tennis. For the second time in Australia, she gets former Roland Garros champ Yelena Ostapenko in the fourth round. A lot of major champs that are remaining. Sviantek Rybakina won the last two Grand Slams. Coco, though, feeling good. Let's hear from her. I'm not stressed going into this tournament, so I don't know I wouldn't say stress, but I definitely feel like every match, I don't know, I feel like I'm approaching it with importance, but I definitely feel like... Um, like, my draw here is not, like, other than Emma, I hadn't had, like, any, like, huge names um, where, where I feel like tournaments in the past I've had. So um, I wouldn't say more relaxed, but not so much outside pressure. Hasn't dropped a set in three matches. What has she done best? Uh, the whole year has been a, such a great start for her. Uh, winning in Auckland and then kind of getting through this first week unscathed. That's absolutely huge for Goff. She just looks like she believes out there. It was really tough at the end of last season to watch her play the last couple of tournaments. Looked like the year it caught up to her. Totally different Goff here down under. She looks ready. You know, it, she, in a tough part of the draw in terms of on that same quarter with Sviantek, a player she's never beaten. But telling you what, if she keeps serving like she is and she keeps going after her forehand, things watch out for her. And she does feel relaxed. She's talking about her TikToks and her mom and her dad are dancing in the background, getting millions of views. Uh, Martina, what, what does she need to do to improve and, and really get past potentially Iga Sviantek and win, win the title here? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's more mental than anything else. Her game is really coming together nicely. As Lindsay said, the serve is better. The second serve particularly has got more pace on it. The double faults are gone. Uh, she's she's putting pieces together, coming to the net, playing the right shots. It's like now she's flowing to the net. Before she was like she was hitting the ball. Oh, I need to come to the net. Now it's all just more instinctual and flowing much better. She's moving beautifully. And the forehand is definitely cleaner. It's It's a better technical shot. It's much cleaner. Let's to go wrong, and the hands that gives her a lot of confidence as well. You know, we've been joking a lot about this this Netflix curse, and the stars of that film are now in the draw anymore. You know what I'd really like to see data points on? The players who had a proper offseason versus the players who went all over the world, you know, chasing exhibition dollars. Coco Goff basically had a proper training block from after she lost in Dallas. She, she had November, she had December, she came back refreshed, she came back, looked like the forehand was cleaned up. Not every player did that, and I think it's made a big difference. Those eight weeks, treating those as proper training and not a time to go traipse around the world, I think we see a lot of nice results and a lot of lesser results from mm. players who did it. We've been talking about that forehand for a, lo a long time now for Martina to say, up. Oh, Looks better. Looks, <laughs> looks like it's improved Martina now. Says that, then then we know it's, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. It's good. It must, must be great. All right. So, uh, more matches from yesterday.
How about Francis Tiafa? 25th birthday, Lindsay, looking to celebrate with a win against Corinne Hatchinoff. He had never beaten him before. A lot of highlights in this one. And uh, we knew it was going to be tough. We spoke about it on yesterday's show, and Hatchinoff was ready. Played great in the first set and continued that in the second set. He was absorbing pace. He was able to redirect shots. But early in the third, Francis started to find his game, started to be more aggressive, find some power with the forehand. And he started to get the crowd involved. And we know Francis loves a big stage. These fans were loving him out on the court. <laughs> exactly. But he gets up 6-1 in the four-set breaker. We thought for sure we were going five sets. And out on Jen Kane Arena, the error started coming. He started getting tight at the end of this breaker. Hatchinoff, credit to him, did not go away. He just started making balls in the court, and Francis really didn't know what to do. Started to panic just a little bit, and Hatchinoff ready for the moment. An exceptional job fighting back in this fourth set breaker, and ends up getting out of there in four sets. Six one, six one in the breaker. That's that's tough. That is tough. The Russian moves on. Both these players had more winners than unforced errors. As Francis says, farewell, but certainly gained a whole lot of fans in that match. Still to come, best of five tennis is thriving. Seven comebacks from two sets down. See how the last remaining Italian was able to turn things around. Welcome back. Big match coming up later today featuring Andre Rublev. He'll take on Dan Evans of Great Britain. Very even matchup. They've each got four wins, three apiece at the tour level. A couple of challengers as well. There is Dan Evans. First time they will meet at a Grand Slam. Both on their phones. Get off your phones. Come on, what's up with this generation? Figure out where to go. <laughs> what? No, don't look down. Look ahead. You might run into something. Uh, Martina Barbora Krejcikova said her biggest goal this year is to stay healthy. The former world number two barely losing games thus far. And this one as well against Angelina Kalinina. Yeah, Barbora is flying under the radar. She is healthy. She uses the court really well. She's got her patterns. She likes to go cross-court, cross-court. When she gets the opening, down the line for the winner. And it worked really well for her in this match as well. Got really, uh, didn't get nervous at all. Uh, she was... Uh, I'm playing the big points really well. Just a clean match. 23 winners, 19 unforced errors. Very uh, again, big points. Five of seven on the break points. So she just never let anything get in the way. Got the ball in play when she had to. Just you know, she knows her patterns. She knows what her strengths are. And she doesn't go flashy, but she beats her death by a thousand cuts by Barbara Krejcikova. So I think with every single match, I am getting better and better. Jesse Pagula is coming up next. Then we got a rematch from the Auckland round of 16 10 days ago when Cam Norrie beat Yuri Lehechka Lindsay. This time it's to reach the fourth round and some sweet revenge. Yeah, and Lehechka had three set points in this opening set, and Norrie able to come back and win that set. You thought, okay, Cam's going to take advantage of this. Lehechka so disappointed after not getting that first set, but credit the young Czech star. I mean, he came back beautifully in that second set, was able to dictate play, but Norrie then got it back together in the third. But again, Laheshka just kept coming at Nori, going hard off the deep in the court, and Nori was trying to finish points off and so fast around the court. 
played in the next-gen final. That experience certainly helped him on this big of a stage. And what a win it was for Leheshka. 21-year-old into the fourth round of a major for the first time. A year ago, he was ranked 142 in the world. He's now up to around 50. Hadn't won a major match. He's already taken out two seeds. That's why he looks like that right now. Big-time win. Uh, Yannick Sinner also looking for some revenge. John had lost to Marton Fucevic twice at majors. Early on, it looked like a third defeat was imminent. Yeah, we were well on our way. Look at the score box here. I mean, for the first hour of this match, look at that shot. Lindsay, did you see that one-hander? Uh, that's Fucevic, and if this is best of three tennis, we have an Italian seat out. But it is not. One break of serve by Sinner completely turned this match around. Uh, this was a weird one. 6 4, 6 4. We're on our way to upset them. There's the break by Sinner. It's a two love lead. And then all Sinner. He lost three games, Sinner did, in about the first 12 minutes of this match. He lost three games in the last three sets. The 15th seed playing like it right back in the fourth set and then really rolled this one out in the fifth. Three hours, 33 minutes, but that's a little deceptive because the bulk of that was in the first two sets. Weird match. I suspect Sinner will take it. It's unclear if yeah, was compromised, but look at that scoreline. Don't see that Sinner. often. Lost the first two sets and then lost three games the rest of the afternoon. Sinner advances. A delayed double bagel to finish. One of the last 12 games of the match completes his first comeback from two sets down. Martina, take a look at this draw. Who are you liking? Well, I'll tell you, this is a We'll see him again. He's just getting started. I really like what I'm seeing from this young Czech. Since it passed, big opening here. I mean, thinners have to be a little, maybe a little tired in, in, the, in the fifth set, but uh, overall, I think Tsitsipas uh, should get through that. Um, but, you know, Ojo-Ayasin has been a bit up and down. It's, uh, it's totally up in the air, but uh, Korda should take a lot of confidence from that win against Medvedev. Mm -hmm. Sinner Sitsipas rematch from the quarterfinals last year in Melbourne. That was won by the Greek in straight sets. Uh, looking ahead to some matches today, Martina. This one for you. We've got an all-check matchup. Uh -oh. We've got Linda Fruvertova, Marketa Vondrasova. Later in the show, we've got a feature coming up on the two sisters, Brenda and Linda. I'm curious, what's your belief on how good they can be? And and in the uh, I, both really good athletes clearly have really good um, coaching to get this fired this fast and uh, you know the Czechs they know how to play that drop going up and play teaches how to play tennis but we'll see how they progress but so far so good as far as Vondrosheva against Povitova I think Marketa should win this match although she'll probably be feeling a lot more pressure playing playing against a Czech who's younger always brings extra pressure for these players in these smaller countries. Uh, but the, the, the um, uh, experience that uh, Vondrosheva has, I think, should do well for her. Also heavier balls, uh, you know, she can control a little bit better. But because the balls are heavier, the flat hitters have been doing better in this tournament, which would be more Vondrosheva than Vondrosheva. So it'll be between the ears more than anything with those two play each other. All right, looking forward to it. Lindsay and John will talk more about Linda and Brenda Fruvertova later in the show. Uh, how about Katie Volinets <laughs> coming off her first career top 10 win against Veronica Kudermatova. What would your advice be to her to not have a let up in that next round? You know, it's so tough because Katie's done so well to get through qualifying now in the third round, but then you look who she plays and it's possibly a winnable match. She's not playing Sviantek or Pagula. She's playing Jang. So 
it, she might feel some of the pressure out there, but you've got to just try and stay in the moment and not think about what's ahead. If I win this match, this might happen. She has a great game. She is so solid. Love the addition of a little bit more offense into her game. She was finishing points off great so far here. She's so comfortable having won now five matches at Melbourne Park. It's a lot of good stuff from, from Katie. Just do not want to get caught up in the moment. This will be a, a theme for this week as we see these upsets. How are you going to back it up? Part of this is physical, right? How's Andy Murray going to back up playing 10-plus hours in his first two matches? But also, we'll talk next about Popperin. That's another example. How are some of these young players with these signature wins, biggest wins of their career, what do they do in the subsequent match? And, and Popperin is taking on Ben Shelton. So we've got 13 American men and women in the third round in Melbourne. That's the most since 2004. Ben Shelton, we know former NCAA champion, right? They're playing on John Kane Arena. So uh, the crowd was going nuts for Alexi Popper in the other night. How does Ben Shelton use that college tennis experience to manage this sort of atmosphere? Great point. Uh, if one player is particularly well-suited to take advantage of that, who knows how to deal with crowds, both winning them over and blocking them out, it's the guy who played SEC college tennis. Uh, keep in mind, too, the winner of that match plays either J.J. Wolf or Michael Moe. Wow. So imagine you're Ben Sheldon, right? It's, it's your first Australian Open. You've had some nice wins. Lefty game. You're playing a local who beat Taylor Fritz in the previous round in Popperin, and then you know that you play a familiar face in the next round for a shot at the quarters. A lot on the line for Ben Sheldon today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Martina, what do you yeah, think? How these, players play, uh, uh, how these players react when they have a big win, when they've never been there before, and how they react after, like Katie Bonayetz. Uh, we'll see how she does in her next match. That tells me a lot about whether they're satisfied with what, where they are or how eager they are. And also how well they play, because it is a letdown after no matter who you play when you beat a big player. So, but when they react well and either it's a close match or the win, that kind of tells you a little bit about their mindset. So I'm looking forward to see how she does in her next match. Yeah, I hey. think everything about the Popper and Shelton match will be about the atmosphere out there. That too. Uh, on that court, you're able to get in if you have a grounds pass. So historically, it's been a little bit more wild out there. Of course, Shelton's used to that, but I don't know if you're, he's used to 18,000 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. right. And it was a lot for Fritz out there. The energy that the crowd has been giving some of the Australian players has been off the charts, so supportive. But I love to see Shelton. He's, you know he's going to give it back to the crowd. Yeah, he's exactly. going to bring his own energy. Oh, so <laughs> right. highly recommend tuning in for that one. I don't know. If it'll happen, but I feel like he has the personality that could flip maybe a third of that audience to root for him. Most he's of magnetic. the places, yes, but I think that they're gonna they're yeah. gonna stay patriotic. All right. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we, we saw Andre Rublev, Dan Evans walking in. Who you got winning that one? Yeah, I, th I think Rublev, and you know, I mean, we, we, what do we always say about him? He could win a major, he doesn't <laughs> seem to get it done at majors, he's reliable for the fourth round or the quarters, but doesn't really. I think he's got a real opportunity here, Rublev. A big favorite. Yep. Martina? Yeah, I'm going with Andre. He's a big hitter. He can hit through these heavier balls. And, uh, and, and, and because they're heavier, he'll be able to uh, control them better. And he's been much more aggressive coming to the net a lot more, which is much easier to finish off the points. So I think Andre is a big favorite for me in this match, even though lifetime, they're even four and four.
All right. Great job with the lighting, Martina, yeah, once again. Oh, I mean, thank just... you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Much more still to come here on. <laughs> Wait, what was that? What were you looking for? I don't know which dog chewed up the cord, but anyway. Oh, okay. It's all good. So many to choose from. Probably Lulu. Although Lulu only has no, that one tooth. Lulu. She has one no tooth. Way. So maybe not. I'm saying Abby. <laughs> Welcome back. The sun is out in Melbourne as we are taking you up to first ball on day six. The third round rolling on. While most of his friends are in Melbourne, Riley Opelka has traveled to Milan, trading in four hands for fashion this week. The 40th ranked player in the world is recovering from hip surgery by posing in Prada. Opelka is expected to bring his servbot style back to the court next month in Dallas. For more stories like that, make tennis.com your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire 2023 season. Right now, Steve Tigner has your three to see on day six of the Aussie Open. And David Kane profiles young American Ben Shelton. Time now for the daily forecast with Fox Weather. I'm Fox Weather's Kendall Smith, and here's today's Australian Open forecast. We're looking at the weather in Melbourne, Australia. Warm and slightly humid for our tennis pros, expected with temperatures in the mid-70s. You can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Thanks so much. Still to come, former world number five Jimmy Arias joins us to break down the action in Australia. Plus, we look ahead to Andy Murray's next match. And today's Bet365 match preview has the line on an all-American battle. But first, they are the new sister act in our sport. We introduce you to a couple Czech teenagers who are already soaring up the rankings. That's next. Welcome back with Serena Williams evolving away from tennis and Venus unable to compete with an injury. Another sister act has taken over in Melbourne. A couple of Czech teenagers, Linda and Brenda Fruvertova, are playing the main draw of a major together for the first time. Here's a look at how they reached the top of the tennis world. Sisters are different flowers from the same garden. Sisters make the best friends in the world. As much as we're alike, we are different. My name is Brenda Fruvertova and I'm the younger sister. My name is Linda Fruvertova and I'm the older sister by two years. I was about three years old when I started playing tennis. I love to compete and I've always wanted to win, you know, I, I was hungry. I would describe my sister as a very energetic person. Her fighting spirit on the court, like, it's really amazing. I wanted to be a professional tennis player. That's what I wanted my job to be. I think we're really different. I'm more like a calm person. I like to have my own space. My sister is very like herself. She doesn't really care what others think. She's 15, but she's so mature. On the high level in tennis, every player plays good. So for me, it's more about the mental side. I think as long as I'm just playing, you know, my game, just fight for every point and attack a lot and 
I think that's one of the main things that got me where I am today. At the age of seven, eight, we saw that they are really interested in this sport and they can be good. We realized that you need much wider field to be able to get some information, experience, try things, meet new people, because we really never played ourselves. When I met Patrick, I was 10. Patrick is helping us a lot in many ways, and I mean, without Patrick, it, it wouldn't be possible to do this, I think. Patrick has a passion for tennis, and he shares this passion with people who are successful in what they are doing. Winning the Chennai Open was definitely the biggest moment of my career so far. Another top-class display from the young Czech star, it's hit for greatness. I was definitely happy to finish the year in top 100 and being the youngest one there is definitely a nice bonus. Last year was definitely the most like separated year, it was kind of a shock. We didn't play any of the tournaments together, so we didn't see each other much. We had to split in two teams, basically throughout the whole year, and uh, travel separately a lot. We missed each other, and even the parents, you know, when they were apart, it, it wasn't really great. So now I'm just happy that we're back all together and we can be doing preseason together, and hopefully this year we're gonna play more tournaments together. We are lucky that the sport become the passion of the whole family. I am the biggest fan of them, so, <laughs> and I'm so proud, I cannot be more proud. My sister is definitely my best friend. I think we kind of watch out for each other. We love each other so much and we have such a good relationship that we don't really compete like with better. We want to be the best in what we're doing. Reach WT number one and win Grand Slam titles. Love that. Having a great time together in Melbourne, learning life on tour. Eye-opening, getting to see the main interview room, taking a look at what they have accomplished. I mean, Linda's already got a title on the main level. Brenda, like the younger Serena, could actually end up being even better. She won 27 straight matches last year at the ITF level, included five titles in a row. She was 54-2 and two in sets during that run. But how cool that now, after last year kind of being split apart, they're together, main draw of a major Grand Slam at the... the Big woman level. Yeah, and look at their ages as well. 15 and 17. This is just a glimpse of what's to come for these two great sisters. We always talk about Venus and Serena before them. They're the Maleva sisters. Three of them were able to get into the top 10. It helps so much when you have a best friend. You have a sister that's going through everything with you. Um, and especially for Brenda, she can really learn from Linda, who's sure. going through that, obviously, at a level above a little bit faster. These two put in a lot of hard work in the preseason down at Everett's Academy. They were training off court very hard. No surprise. And then they're going to play well at the Australian Open, a sign of things to come. But these two are both going to be very, very successful. Will they win majors? Will they get to one? Who knows? But they'll both be top 10 players. 
I think that's a really important point about having a sibling. I mean, obviously, the, the Williams sisters are uh, the, the par excellence. I mean, that, that's obviously the, the benchmark. Sure. But I think it really helps to have someone to go through this with. And also, if you're the younger sibling, to sort of see what the, the potholes on the rules of the road are. I also think you talk to people, Chris Evy, Chris Everett, among them, and they're not talking about, oh, they're hitting 110-mile-an-hour service. They're all saying they're focused, they have mental strength, they have ambition, but they also have humility. You hear a lot about their personality. That's not always the case with juniors, where so often we seize on the physical. So you were there when Linda won in Chennai, yeah. her first WTA title. She's actually playing doubles in Melbourne with Sissy Cuz. I think that was Al Ali India, India Lingo over there. <laughs> they, they won the, their first round match. What did you see from Linda? Uh, the biggest thing was how she embraced the moment. Yeah. I mean, every single round. And by the way, the crowd just absolutely embraced her. I mean, it's not a huge stadium over there, 5,000 people stadium in Nungumbakum Stadium in Chennai. And it was packed to the brim for the final. She came back from a set down against Grand Slam semifinalist Podoroska. In the semis, she came from a set down against Magda Lynette. In the final, she did everything she could press-wise. She, she just embraced it. She yeah. really looked like she belonged. And, you know, you think about what a 17-year-old looks like in today's world, and she just seems years beyond her age right now. Marvelous to see. I think that's going to stand her in really good stead as she moves up in stature. Both are at career highs right now. Uh, Brenda, 128. Linda, 63. She has a chance to reach the top 50 if she beats Marketa Vondrasova tonight. What do you think? Oh, I think she's got a great chance. You never know what happens with players from the same country. How does Marquetta respond? Is she nervous to play someone coming up that's younger? How does Linda handle playing a lefty? There's all We're still trying to get to know Linda and Brenda very well and how they handle. We know that Linda's going to be ready to go. She's been training for this moment for so long. And for Marquetta, she is very up and down. She can play great tennis, but she also plays a lot of matches where she gives her opponents a lot of chances. So I Gonna, I think I'll back the youngster. Okay. We just talk like Czech Republic. I wish we had Martina for this segment. Czech Republic, about 11 million people. That's, that's like the size of Georgia. What is going on in that country with tennis talent? Remember, Anzra Burr lost to Linda Nashkova, another Czech teenager. They just keep coming. Someone is doing something right, harvesting <laughs> tennis talent. It's only fitting that uh, we have two Czechs playing today. We're talking about all these giant upsets that are happening at the Australian Open. There are huge shifts in pressure. Lindsay, as you talked about, it may not be great to play someone who's younger, coming from the same country. That's one kind of pressure. But it's also backing up such a big win. She just took out the number two seed at the Australian Open. Last couple of Grand Slams, she made the final. Now you've got to be able to recover from that and play against an opponent who you really should take out. Yeah. Huge different shift that she's got to make mentally real quick. I like that they believe they want to win Grand Slam titles. They want to get to world number one. I think Linda gets there. I think Brenda's the one that's going to have a lot of majors. We shall see. Bull. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bull. It's going to be an all-timer. Speaking of young phenoms, our next guest can relate. Jimmy Arias reached the top ten as a teen. He joins us next. to TC Live, the featured matches on Rod Laver Arena, beginning with former world number one, Karolina Pliskova, followed by Belinda Bencic, and then the highest-ranked Aussie man remaining, Alex Dimonor. In the night session, Novak Djokovic and Grigor Dimitrov meet for the 11th time, and it's Magda Lynette and Ekaterina Alexandrova. Stephen Prakash, back with you on the desk, and we are so happy to welcome in our colleague, former world number five, and Grand Slam champion, Jimmy Arias, to the program. Jimmy, how you doing? 
I'm doing great. And thanks for saying I was a Grand Slam champion. I know it was, in, I was 16 years old and it was a mixed doubles, but I'll take it. Thank yeah. you. I'm your hype man, Jimmy. I am now. here for you. Come on now. I mean, amazing. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, it is day six. Uh, we've got the most American men in the third round since 1996. Sebi Corda is one of them. What did you make of his big win last night? Well, I think he's been the second best player in the world so far this year. I did see him in the offseason practicing training. He changed his serve motion a little bit. It seems to have paid off nicely. His forehand has improved. And I just feel like I was expecting what we're seeing right now a year ago, to be honest. I thought he was going to be the top-ranked American from last year. It didn't happen for him, but boy, oh boy, what a start he's had. And as we know, his father did pretty well in Australia. He won the Australian Open Juniors. He seems to like it early in the year. And the way he's playing, he could win the title. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Jimmy, lots of uh, brilliant storylines throughout this event thus far. One of the big ones, the defending champ, Rafael, not only going out, but hurting his hip flexor. And now he might have a little bit of time, not sure how he's going to recover. What do you make of Rafa moving forward for the rest of this year? Well, what's interesting to me about Rafa is you shouldn't ask me a question about him because when he was 17 or 18 and he came out on the tour, I remember thinking with his style of play and how grinding it is, he's going to last 10 years max. There's no way you can play his style of play and last forever. I had a Bjorn Borg sort of feeling about him. So he's doubled already what I expected him to be able to do. Um, I feel like it's when he plays and when he gets to close to 100%, he's still him or Djokovic are the best players in the world. But he's getting older and it's starting to break down more consistently the body. I'll be surprised if he plays much longer, and you can see the the tears in in his family's eyes there because they know it it could be near the end. His game is so physical; I can't believe how long he's lasted as it is, and his style of play is grinding as well mentally. So it's been an amazing career that he's had so far, and hopefully he can come back again. I think he can, but it's getting more and more difficult. Well, speaking of legends who are in the fourth quarter of their career, who continue to mystify us, Andy Murray, perhaps the greatest comeback of his career thus far, five hours, 45 minutes. What do you make of the bounce back against Roberto Bautista Agut in the next round? What do I make of it? I, I, I would be shocked and surprised. I mean, the worst guy to play, I would say, after you played two five-setters and finished at four in the morning would be Roberto Bautista Agu. I mean, you're going to end up having another real physical match. Having said that, Murray is showing you if he can stay close, he's still a champ. He still figures out how to win the big points. He still has some of that confidence. So if his body can hold up and he can continue playing at the level that he's played those first two matches, who knows? But it's just... He's also getting a little bit older. He's had the hip injuries. Can he keep it going? It would be it would be surprising to me that he could get through that next match again. Here with Jimmy Arias, former world number five, our colleague here at Tennis Channel, and Jesse Pagula, somebody who you coach for a little bit, continues to shine. Top-ranked American in the world. Hasn't dropped a set. Couple bagel sets as well. Jimmy, what makes you believe that this is the major where she finally gets past the quarterfinals and potentially wins it all? Um, well, I think so far she's been the best player the, on the women's tour this year. And for the last year and a half, two years or so, the most consistent player mentally, she's so secure with her game and what she does. And look at that, lost three games in her last four sets. She is 
hitting the ball clean and early and flat and recognizing the court. She's doing so many things well. I, you know, I love Jesse. I'm disappointed that I'm no longer going to be the greatest player ever out of Buffalo, that she's now already surpassed me. So what the heck, go ahead and win the Australian Open because I do think she has a, she has a chance. Jimmy, we've been talking about all these uh, legendary names, but there have also been some youngsters who have shown us some pretty impressive stuff in Melbourne, and one of them is a 17-year-old IMG client of yours, Jerry Shang. Came out, took out Oscar Otza, had a brilliant experience against Francis Tiafo, one of the big American stars. What are we expecting from him moving forward? Pretty impressive stuff. Well, first of all, I, I got to give him a shout-out for being... He's an awesome kid. He's 17 years old, and we have eight juniors that are playing the Australian Open as well, and they were already there, and he got them tickets to go watch his match um, against Francis Tiafo. Um, he is an amazingly talented kid. He has a little bit, and I, Marcelo Rios coached him for a, a minute or two. He's got a little Rios in his game, just the way that he can disguise the forehand and seem to put it on a dime. Um Already from the back of the court, when you play him in just a rally situation, he's top 20 in the world for sure. If, if serve and return weren't part of the game, he'd already be in the top 20 in the world. Those two parts of the game will take a little bit more time to get used to at this level especially, but uh, great experience for him. Qualifying, winning around in a major, first man, Chinese man ever to win around at the Australian Open, and, and I think you'll be seeing a lot of him in the future. Uh, especially with you there, working with him, Jimmy. Uh, earlier, you, you said that Seb Corda was... In spite of that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you said Seb he was a top-two player right now this year. You said Jesse could go win it all. Who are your picks to win the Australian Open at this point? Well, I think before the tournament started, I was there at Tennis Channel. I, I, prob I picked Djokovic. It's hard not to stick with Djokovic at this point, but... Um, Boy, is it a wide-open draw, and Americans are doing amazing well, amazingly well on the uh, men's side. And I think I took Jesse Pagula. So I'm sticking, with, I'm sticking with what I said. What I said a week ago so far, still in the cards, or still a possibility. He said what he said. Novak Djokovic, like Jesse it. Pagula. Jimmy, uh, appreciate it, as always, you taking the time to join us. And we'll see you soon back here in the studio. Thanks for having me, guys. Be good. All right, a reminder of the Tennis Channel, your home for extensive Australian Open coverage. Our two-hour TC Lab pregame show comes your way, 5 p.m. Eastern. And Brett Haber and Paul Anacone have encore coverage at 7 a.m. Eastern. Back with all the American highlights next. Welcome back. Leading up to first ball here on TC Live. There's Coco. It's a doubles day, Lindsay. Doubles day, a little yeah. practice day. It is great when you want to go work on something to get out there on the doubles court. See if she looks to rip a few forehands out there. Diego Moyano. Shout out to him. Doing a great job. Coaching Coco. Uh, let's delve into all the Americans. Starting with the two-time NCAA champ, Danielle Collins. Only woman of the seven former... Or excuse me, we're starting with uh, Madison Keys. Taking on Victoria Azarenka. She got off to a uh, slow start as well, Steve, if that's any consolation. Did Azarenka, because Madison Keys was terrific in the first set of this match, hitting through the court, and then 
The wheels seem to come off. One of these strange matches. How much of this was Azarenka finding rhythm? A player's had great success at this event. Playing like the veteran still in shape at age 33. How much of this was about Madison Keys disappearing? Madison Keys, eight errors in the first set, then 14 and then 17. Um, let's be charitable and credit Azarenka for playing some really nice tennis against a top 10 seed. Big win for Vika. Three strange sets, but she advances. More wins here than any other woman remaining in the draw. She's a two-time champ here. Vika Azarenka loves Melbourne, and once again, Maddie, Collins, uh, Maddie Keys cannot get the victory over her. Now here's Danielle Collins. Lindsay. Uh, defending the final from last year, it's been a tough draw for Collins. Her knee has been bothering her, and how about an opponent who was serving lights out? 82% of first serve points in this match for Rabakina. Danielle Collins fought in the second set. Tried to dictate play, not easy when you're facing the heaviness of the Rabakina ground strokes. And then Danielle Collins able to get one break point this entire match. She converts that to win the second set, but more of the same in the third set. What were we talking about earlier, John? She won some tournament last summer. Wimbledon, that's right. Anyways, back to play great tennis and dominating from the back of the court, also staying so calm. Now, I think you got to keep your eye out on Elena in this tournament. She now will face Shiantek, but she was all over Collins. Collins, she's going to decide what she's got to do. Last year, she only played 11 tournaments. Her ranking will now be around 40 in the world. So some big decisions there for Danielle moving forward. 33 winners, eight aces for Rybakina. She was out on court 13, Prakash, to start this tournament. She's playing Iga Sviantek. I'm assuming that's going to be on Rod Laver Arena. As John mentioned earlier, why are we not talking about Elena Rybakina more? Uh, a bit of a low-key personality. I mean, did you see how after she won Wimbledon last year? This kind of was one of the most low-key celebrations. That's right. She that, doesn't that, celebrate. That, she, she, but look, game-wise, she's one of the biggest hitters on tour. And she's the kind of player who can really take it to Iga before she's able to get into the driver's seat. She's got a monstrous serve. She's able to keep a high percentage in play. She can really get under Iga's skin. And Iga hasn't been in a position where she's needed to play 3-all, 4-all, 5-all, get into a breaker, 6-all. Things can happen when you keep a little scoreboard pressure on. And, and you got to get there first. Rabak and I can do it. Yeah, I mean, the other reason, let's be honest, this is all an offshoot of no ranking points at winning Wimbledon. So you have a champ that's not reflected in her ranking. Therefore, it's not reflected in her seeding. She, as you say, maybe not the most expressive personality, not, maybe not from such a big tennis country with a federation that's pressuring. So she's playing in these outcours. You know, she gets asked about it all the time, and she sort of says, it's no big deal, but uh, <laughs> clearly she is annoyed, as she rightfully should be, frankly. Um, big opportunity, though, against Iga. That's the winners of the last three majors playing in the round of 16. Hmm. Yeah, you know, There's not many players that, if you're Iga, that you go up against that you're like, gosh, I might not be able to break serve. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so hard to get that one break. What effect does that have on your own service games? And that is something that Sviantec does not have to face very often with Serena not really playing anymore. Pliskova has kind of fallen out of the ranks. You look to Rabakina now and you're like, it is going to be so hard to break her. I better hold serve every time. Does Sviantec kind of feel that pressure at all in her own service games? Will she back up a little bit and try and make returns into play? All, all, all the X's and O's she's got to figure out with her own team. I'm just curious how she handles the pressure of playing someone that can hold serve so comfortably time and time again. First meeting of reigning slam champion since Ash Barty beat Barbora Krejcikova since 2021. Mm. So oh, good pull. Looking That's forward good. to that one. That. Let's keep the American segment rolling on. 
Mackie McDonald won the biggest match of his life a couple days ago, taking out the defending champ, Rafa Nadal. Yay. McDonald said he got some confidence from seeing his friends, Francis Tiafo, Taylor Fritz, and Tommy Paul all beat Nadal. Francis told him he could join the three amigos. <laughs> Goat wins don't come easy. And he got it done. So could McDonald back that up for Kosh against Yoshi Nishioka? Japanese star hoping to reach the fourth round at a major for the first time. He's doing a great job building on that year that he had last year, working himself back from injury. It was a bit back and forth here in this first set, but Nishioka was just able to get a little bit better of Mackie, just playing a little bit more aggressive and capitalizing in that breaker. But after that, it was really unfortunate because, look, McDonald's been playing some fantastic tennis. What you want to be able to do is let the tennis do the talking. End your run here in Australia just completely healthy. But his ab is what started bothering him. And, look, he took a painkiller at some point and tried to just kind of weather it on, see if the painkiller would kick in. Tricky part for the ab is if you just continue to go on, you can you can make it a lot worse. And you can see this is how bad he got. He had to throw in some underhand hurts, couldn't really reach up, didn't want to leave the court. Yeah, it's like Nadal the round before. Just right. didn't want to R-E-T and play it out, but this was hard to watch. On the other side, Nishioka, third Japanese man in history to record 100 tour-level victories. Probably not the way he would like to get it, but Yoshi Nishioka. Nice win there. Uh, the next Americans, uh, we're going to call them North Americans. John, Felix Ojealiasim had to recover from two sets down last round, facing Francisco Sarundolo. He dropped the first set in his first two matches, but not this one. Not this one. He waited till, uh, till the second. Uh, no, I mean, you know, to, to Felix's credit, he is still alive in this event. He has not had his best stuff, at least not for three consecutive sets. Yeah, we'll, we'll colonize Canada for the sake of this segment. Uh, but, you know, I, I give Felix a lot of credit because he has not played A-level tennis after a very solid fall. This is a match, honestly, he should be winning against a guy who's, you know, the top 30 players to run below, but not anyone slick court specialist. And, uh, again, one bit of a patchy go-away set for Felix and then really recovered nicely. And, you know, has this been the best week of his tennis life from a quality standpoint? Statistically, no, but He's still alive and uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. Best week, no, but he did say, I think the last two sets were some of my best so far this tournament. So something to build on for Felix Ojeali-Assim. Fellow Canadian Dennis Shapovalov taking on Hubie Perkoch for the fifth time. Perkoch both made the semis at Wimbledon a couple years ago. A lot of break points in this one. Look, two of the more exciting guys to watch. Both real shot makers here. Perkoch was able to clip that first one in a breaker. It was very back and forth between both these guys. Both trying to get the better of them. Aggression. You see a lot of net points from both players. Perkoch was able to get a two-set lead. But then Shapovalov really turned up the consistency. Was able to find a bunch of these forehands. And when he's able to find it from both sides of the court. He becomes so dangerous. He's able to take the next two sets. Started really getting the crowd involved here. Brilliant atmosphere over in Melbourne. Fifth set, a bit of a dogfight between these two. Perkoch was able to turn things around, calm down a little bit, sort of showing some signs of frustration in the fourth set. Much more positive body language in the fifth. Again, was the one who was able to be a little bit more aggressive, and that was the difference. In the end, Coach Borden approves. CB in the house, Hubie Hercotch getting it done in five sets. Big win for the poll. When we come back, it is all about Andy Murray. Will the marathon man have some magic left in the bag?
Lindsay Prakash, John Steve, back with you on TC Live, and we will see you once again 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Two-hour pregame show leading up to first ball. Encore coverage, 7 a.m. Eastern with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. Every day, Tennis Channel, your home. Extensive coverage of the year's first major. Andy Murray added another chapter to his Hall of Fame legacy the other night and into the morning, you could say. For the 11th time in his career, Murray came from two sets down to beat Tanasi Kokonakis. The match lasted five hours and 45 minutes, didn't finish till after 4 a.m. local time. Add that to a nearly five-hour win over Matteo Berrettini in the first round, and Sir Andy may get promoted to Lord by the end of this fortnight. Up next, Roberto Bautista Agu. Take a look at the Tennis Express head-to-head. -head. Meeting for the sixth time, tied three wins apiece. They met twice last year. RBA only dropped five games in four sets in those matches. This, our tennis topic of the day, Andy Murray against Roberto Bautista Agut. Lindsay, coming off of the epic marathon we saw the other night, what do you expect to see? Oh, isn't that the question? How will Murray turn up? I was a little concerned when he was walking back into Melbourne Park about seven hours after the finish <laughs> of that match. So, you know, he didn't sleep tons in the ensuing hours after that great win. But that's the thing. We just don't know with him. We've got to see an energy level. We want to make sure that he's healthy and can move around the court. It's a big ass, though, when you've already played over 10 hours of tennis with not a lot of recovery time and playing someone like Batista Agut, who's just all over you, right? He's got all this energy. He's very consistent. He doesn't really beat himself. Murray's got to come up and, and be really energetic, be able to get forehands, be able to get 100% off his legs up into a serve, I just don't know if that's possible with everything he's gone through so far. What is the bigger concern? I asked the, the, the former players. The body is just strictly physical and 10-plus hours of tennis or the fact that his rhythms and his sleep patterns and his whole sort of sense of equilibrium has got to be so thrown out of whack. I think it's got to be the rhythms because the body stuff, you can overcome a little bit with the mind. You can get the adrenaline to kind of work yourself through it a little bit. Let's not forget that last match there. I mean, that was one of the most memorable electric moments that we've had in Murray's career because you don't really expect this. I don't really know if he expected. I mean, look, how often are you able to produce points like this in atmospheres like this? I mean, first of all, the kid's moving like a 22-year-old out there. Look at that. Bionic man at this point was insane we, able to come out on top. We, we got to put, we got to run this side by side with Jimmy Connors' point with Paul Harhus at the, at the U.S. Open in 91. This was, this was exceptional. But I am going to make one more case for Andy Murray here. Let's not forget Roberto Bautista Agut did play five sets yes. as well. And he is no spring chicken. 34. Ladies and gentlemen, he is 34 also. So perhaps yeah. there's a little wear in his legs as well. I think beginning of the match is going to be really important. Nobody wants to come back from two sets of love in this next one. And i got to say, speaking from experience, when you have four kids in six years, you are not getting a lot of sleep anyway. <laughs> he's used to it. Oh, he's anyway, used to it. you <laughs> might just be out exactly. there like, hey, I normally only sleep six, four or five hours. I'll be fine. Six hours, man. Okay. <laughs> six exactly. Good. exactly. After the Berrettini deal and he comes back and does this, why are we even questioning it, John? It's, uh, I mean, at some level, cumulatively, this yeah. is definitely, you know, you know yeah. honestly, though, I, I feel like we say this a lot. We say, oh, Alcaraz didn't go to sleep at the U.S. Open after beating Sinner until the sun came up. He did just fine in the next round. I mean, I think sort of intuitively we say, oh, boy, this guy's beat up. But I'm not sure the data necessarily supports that. Murray has been on court for 634 minutes. Uh, for some perspective, all three Lord of the Rings movies, all three combined, 558 minutes.
Andy Murray, more entertaining. Yeah. There you go. Oh, Andy Murray, oh. more entertaining, and uh, he wasn't having any popcorn during that five hours and 45 minute no. battle. We'll, we'll call this Return of the King against Roberto Bautista Agu. <laughs> Much more still to come here on TC Live. We've got our Bet365 match preview featuring Tommy Paul and Jensen Brooksby as we take a look at the close finishes for Andy Murray in Melbourne, five times a bridesmaid. Well, Listen, I, I don't know if he'll get to another final, but certainly putting on a show this year in Melbourne Park. Do we like the fact that uh, he's had this kind of a track record? I think the other thing this does, he's a real familiar quantity with this crowd, and he's not playing an Aussie in this match. If he's looking for fan support, he's going to get it. All right. Coco Golf. we saw her getting ready, coming in, and now she has reached the training table, Prakash. No, you coming to me right there. You see, you, you see, Miano, he's just straight. He's always working out. That's why he looks so fit. Getting some crunches. Crunches in here, the Smith machine. Oh, if, if your player's working <laughs> out, you gotta... <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Back on TC Live, a reminder to play the Match Point Predictor game from Tennis Channel. Answer questions correctly about what will happen in Melbourne for a chance to win great prizes totaling $4,500. To enter, go to tennis.com slash play. Use that QR code right on your screen. Do it quickly. Play goes through Sunday. As we are back. Off the wall. Welcome to the off the wall yes. segment, John Wertheim. I like it here. Yes. Nice setup you got. Big wall we got here. Uh, we were just talking about Andy Murray and Roberto Bautista Agut. And, of course, whether Andy would have much left after playing for five hours and 45 minutes the other night. So the question we pose to you is should there be a late night curfew in tennis? Oh, I think in theory there should. And yet, like so much in tennis, it's not quite that simple. We are committed to playing best-of-five matches. Mm -hmm. One of the beauties of tennis is that there is no clock. You can't really start the day before 11 a.m. Players will tell you by the time they wake up, they're first on. You can't do it much before 11. So not a lot of wiggle room. I do think that, in theory, it should have a cutoff. So we're not there. The ball kids aren't there. The officials, us poor souls in the media. <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But really, this only happens at majors for the most part. It only happens at majors, and it doesn't happen often. Right. So like when a hockey playoff game goes four overtimes or a baseball game goes 20-some innings, it's kind of exciting and cool. Devil's advocate? Yeah. The winner has to go back and play a different opponent, right? Yep. So in, in baseball, in theory, both teams are equally disadvantaged. It's a little different when one opponent's got their feet up and the other one's playing till 4 a.m. and going to sleep when the sun comes up. But I do think it makes for a quirky story. One sidebar to this, yep. this was in the afternoon in the U.K. So if you're an Andy Murray fan and you're living in, in England and Scotland, you're loving this. <laughs> um, but it is a little silly to have these sports end so late. Four in the morning. Tough for the athletes, that's for sure. We will get Lindsay and Prakash's take on this coming up later on TC Live. We are getting closer to the start of day six. All the top stories with Martina and the gang straight ahead. Welcome back. A reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern every day. 
That includes tomorrow, Saturday, two-hour pregame show, getting you ready. First ball over on ESPN Plus, then at 7 a.m. Eastern. It is Tennis Channel's Encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. Always look forward to seeing that in the morning. Back over at the desk with Lindsay and John, and it is time to welcome in the 12-time Australian Open champion, there we go. Martina Navratilova. Uh, Marty, uh, Rosie Casals, the, the phone call yesterday, <laughs> what was it all about? What did... uh, she, she did see me on TV, and she calls me. I'm like, really? Anyway, but do you notice the nice light? I have no shadows. I finally was able to get the cord that one of the dogs chewed up on the halo light, oh. and I have a good okay. light. So here we go. Okay. <laughs> so you're like MacGyver out there. That's amazing. <laughs> Paperclip. I need, I need, I need, I need help. I need help. Nah, you're the best. Let's get rolling. Day five highlights, Marty. Uh, we'll start with you. Back-to-back -back finalists: Daniil Medvedev facing one of the eight remaining American men, Sebi Korda. Korda looking to match his best Grand Slam result and gives that little tap to his dad, Peter Korda's championship banner. Yeah, such a nice gesture. I tell you, uh, Korda has lost these matches before when he had chances. Yesterday was a much better story. That ball just touches the line. He was up two breaks in that first set, let it slip away, but played really well when it mattered in the tiebreak, hitting this beautiful heads-up lob. Knows that Daniel likes to close the net off, gets the set point, and then finishes it off a couple points later. And now that he is relaxed, he was really aggressive. His game plan was go cross-court to the Medvedev forehand, and when Medvedev hits the ball back to him, he goes down the line and comes in on that ball. That was the pattern. Throws in a couple uh, couple different volleys as well. Was just the more aggressive, more adventurous player. Uh, moving Medvedev around the court. Moving beautifully himself. And didn't let the nerves get in the way. As he finishes off the match in style. Well, 6-1, three more match points gone. But uh, finally gets it done on the fourth one. And uh, breathing a big sigh of relief. Because again, he's let these matches get away before. And this time he finished it up nicely. Biggest win of his life for Sevi Korda. First top 10 win at a major. Does it in straight sets against the two-time finalists there. Had 50 winners to 28 for Medvedev. Look at those points at the net. He had that approach and stuck to it. About 75% winning those. A lot of serving volleys, as Martina mentioned as well. Let Korda go. LFG, let's hear from Sevi. Probably one of the better matches I've played in my career and just... Um... Uh, stuck, stuck with the game plan, kept going after it, and uh, I think positive, uh, positive mentally throughout it, no matter what happened, just kept, uh, kept pushing forward, and I'm growing as a person, as a player, and um, just, um, just trying to do the right things, just um, have fun, enjoy it, and you know, good things will happen. It's fun when you pull off upsets like yeah. that, Lindsay. Uh, he said one of his mentors, Andre Agassi, stayed up all night in Vegas to watch him. That's pretty cool. Credits a new mental approach. Zero negative thoughts. He's had that all year long. So what positive things did you see from him? Well, obviously the game. And you can tell he's put in a lot of hard work on certain shots. The serve is working really well. He won more points on serve than Medvedev, who's been known for one of the best servers in men's tennis. But what I liked is how he went after the win at the end. He's had some heartbreaking losses. Lost to Novak with match point just a couple of weeks ago. Remember that match he played against Nadal a couple of years ago at Indian Wells? He's been close a couple of times to having some really big wins. It was great to see him close it out. How about that forehand on match point? Mm. Love it. He just stepped up and went for it. 
Even in this match, there were some some peaks and valleys where he had to play himself. He got broken a couple times, lost a couple points in a tie break that were a little loose. So really, even though it was straight set scoreline, there were some peaks and valleys there. I want to make equivalency big thing in media these days. I want to ask you guys, Martina, you can take this. How, how much do we worry about Medvedev, who was a set away from winning this mm. event last year and has really been in rough straits ever since? He's not even in the top 10 after this tournament. I don't know if we can underestimate the emotional toll the war takes on both the Ukrainian players and the Russian and Belarusian players because they had nothing to do with it. And it's just these emotions and the Russian players particularly, they're not exactly fan favorites. And I don't know if it bothers me, Daniel, he kind of played against it in the past, but it can't be helpful anyway. But uh, for Korda, uh, fantastic stuff. He really stepped it up. Uh, he had to have some scar tissue from not finishing these matches before. But, you know, uh, Rene Richards used to tell me, if you have a negative thought, replace it, because you can only think one thing at a time. And for him, the mantra is only positive thoughts, same end result. You're only staying in the solution. And it's clearly working very well for him. That's such a great approach like for anything in life. If you have a negative thought, replace it. You can always turn something into a positive. Love that. Sebi Korda has been doing it, and he is moving on. How about on the women's side? The world number one, Iga Sviantek, making a statement against Christina Buksha, Linz, uh, who just came off that win against Bianca Andreescu, won the first 11 games of this match, barely lost points. And this was just all Iga. This was not even close. Sviantek was absolutely dominating. And by the way, she was going for her shots, absolutely crushing her ground strokes. Did an amazing job. Ended up with almost three times as many winners. I mean, there wasn't really much to this match except Sviantek on her front foot, consistently stepping in, ripping her shots. But again, you know, at the U.S. Open, we always go back to that Jules Niemeyer match. She turned things around in three sets. Well, she had a tough opening match here against Niemeyer also, and she has been looking fabulous ever since then. And when she's feeling confident to step in, I don't know, some players are complaining about the balls and the speed of the court. Nothing is, seems to be bothering Iga here. She was up 11-0 before she lost the game. This was never close and never in doubt from the world number one. She's got 15 bagels in major matches now. That means she's dropped a bagel in more than 20% of her Grand Slam matches. I mean, that is dominance on a whole nother level for the Polish superstar. And not to be outdone, though, Jesse Pagula setting up her own bakery in Melbourne. John facing Marta Kostyuk to reach the second week here for the third straight year. Yeah, I'm just going to parrot everything Lindsay just said about Iga. Playing authoritative tennis against an opponent, really taking the match. Uh, no, this was uh, another great match by Pagula, who's the third seed. She's on pace to face Iga in the semifinals. They played about two weeks ago. Jesse Pagula won that match. And, boy, she's been terrific. This tournament, six sets. She's had 6-love, six 6-1, six 6-2, six then a 7-6, then 6-0, oh, and 6-2 yesterday over Kostyuk, who's a nice player. Kostyuk held serve one time. Kostyuk won, listen, listen to this, 18% of her second serve points. That's not going to get it done against a number three player. And Jesse Bagula has gone from sort of an, an extra to a speaking role to an absolute star. She is playing like it. This is the highest she's ever been seated as a major. And she looks like a real contender, taking care of business. 65 minutes yesterday, barely broke a sweat. She is the protagonist. Pagula has lost just 11 games in six sets. She will face Barbora Krejcikova in the fourth round. And her doubles partner, Coco Goff, doing things as well. Martina playing fellow American Bernarda Perra. Goff returning really well. Had 16 break points that she generated. Yeah, she only broke four times, but put himself, put herself in that yeah, position quite often and really played solid all the way around. So quick off the mark to get to those short balls. 
What was it, the net? And very effective there as well. Yeah, Covering the court while well, spreading the court. And uh, Pera just had no answers for that. Um, Coco was 11 out of 12 at the net. How good is that? Look at this little touch. Just really keeps her head about her. And she's found a really nice balance between being intense and being relaxed. For me, in the past, she's been maybe too intense, too much. Blah, 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 and now she's calmed down. And I think it's a really good balance of being positive, focused, and relaxed at the same time. Which is a tricky thing to do, but uh, she's definitely been... Back Managing in the fourth round playing dominant tennis. for the second time in Australia. She gets former Roland Garros champ Yelena Ostapenko in the fourth round. A lot of major champs that are remaining. Sviantek Rybakina won the last two Grand Slams. Coco, though, feeling good. Let's hear from her. I'm not stressed going into this tournament, so I don't know I wouldn't say stress, but I definitely feel like every match, I don't know, I feel like I'm approaching it with importance, but I definitely feel like... Um, like, my draw here is not, like, other than Emma, I hadn't had, like, any, like, huge names um, where, where I feel like tournaments in the past I've had. So um, I wouldn't say more relaxed, but not so much outside pressure. Hasn't dropped a set in three matches. What has she done best? Uh, the whole year has been a, such a great start for her. Uh, winning in Auckland and then kind of getting through this first week unscathed, that's absolutely huge for Goff. She just looks like she believes out there. It was really tough at the end of last season to watch her play the last couple of tournaments. Looked like the year it caught up to her. Totally different Goff here down under. She looks ready. You know, it, she, in a tough part of the draw in terms of on that same quarter with Sviantek, a player she's never beaten. But telling you what, if she keeps serving like she is and she keeps going after her forehand, things watch out for her. And she does feel relaxed. She's like talking about her TikToks and her mom and her dad are dancing in the background, getting millions of views. Uh, Martina, what, what does she need to do to improve and, and really get past potentially Iga Sviantek and win, win the title here? I think it's more mental than anything else. Her game is really coming together nicely. As Vincent said, the serve is better. The second serve particularly has got more pace on it. The double faults are gone. Uh, she's she's putting pieces together, coming to the net, playing the right shots. It's like now she's flowing to the net. Before she was like she was hitting the ball. Oh, I need to come to the net. Now it's all just more instinctual and flowing much better. She's moving beautifully. And the forehand is definitely cleaner. It's It's a better technical shot. It's much cleaner. Less to go wrong, and the hands that gives her a lot of confidence as well. You know, we've been joking a lot about this this Netflix curse, and the stars of that film are now in the draw anymore. You know what I'd really like to see data points on? The players who had a proper offseason versus the players who went all over the world, you know, chasing exhibition dollars. Coco Goff basically had a proper training block from after she lost in Dallas. She, she had November, she had December, she came back refreshed, she came back, looked like the forehand was cleaned up. Not every player did that, and I think it's made a big difference. Those eight weeks, treating those as proper training and not a time to go traipse around the world, I think we see a lot of nice results and a lot of lesser results from mm. players who did it. We've been talking about that forehand for a, lo a long time now. For Martina to say, oh, that Looks better. Looks, looks like it's improved now. Martina says that, then, then we know it's, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. It's good. But it must, must be great. All right, so more matches from yesterday. How about Francis Tiafoe? 25th birthday, Lindsay, looking to celebrate with a win against Corinne Hatchinoff. He had never beaten him before. A lot of highlights in this one. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough. We spoke about it on yesterday's show, and Hatchinoff was ready. Played great in the first set and continued back in the second set. He was absorbing pace. He was able to redirect shots. But early in the third, Francis started to find his game, started to be more aggressive, find some power with the forehand. 
and he started to get the crowd involved. And we know Francis loves the big stage. These fans were loving him out on the court. <laughs> exactly. But he gets up 6-1 in the four-set breaker. We thought for sure we were going five sets. And out on Jen Kane Arena, the error started coming. He started getting tight at the end of this breaker. Hatchinoff, credit to him, did not go away. He just started making balls in the court, and Francis really didn't know what to do. Started to panic just a little bit, and Hatchinoff, ready for the moment. An exceptional job fighting back in this fourth set breaker, and ends up getting out of there in four sets. 6-1. 6-1 in the breaker. That's... That's tough. That is tough. The Russian moves on both these players had more winners than unforced errors. As Francis says, farewell, but certainly gained a whole lot of fans in that match. Still to come, best of five tennis is thriving. Seven comebacks from two sets down. See how the last remaining Italian was able to turn things around. Welcome back. Big match coming up later today featuring Andre Rublev. He'll take on Dan Evans of Great Britain. Very even matchup. They've each got four wins, three apiece at the tour level. A couple of challengers as well. There is Dan Evans. First time they will meet at a Grand Slam. Both on their phones. Get off your phones. Come on, what's up with this generation? Figure out where to go. <laughs> what? Don't look down. Look ahead. You might run into something. Uh, Martina Barbora-Krejcikova said her biggest goal this year is to stay healthy. The former world number two barely losing games thus far. And this one as well against Angelina Kalinina. Yeah, Barbora is flying under the radar. She is healthy. She uses the court really well. She's got her patterns. She likes to go cross-court, cross-court. When she gets the opening, down the line for the winner. And it worked really well for her in this match as well. Got really, uh, didn't get nervous at all. Uh, she was... Uh, Playing the big points really well. Just a clean match. 23 winners, 19 unforced errors. Very uh, again, big points. Five of seven on the break points. So she just never let anything get in the way. Got the ball in play when she had to. Just you know, she knows her patterns. She knows what her strengths are. And she doesn't go flashy. But she beats her best by a thousand cuts by Barbara Krejcikova. So I think with every single match, I am getting better and better. Jesse Pagula is coming up next. Then we got a rematch from the Auckland round of 16 10 days ago when Cam Nori beat Yuri Lehechka Lindsay. This time it's to reach the fourth round and some sweet revenge. Yeah, and Lehechka had three set points in this opening set, and Nori able to come back and win that set. You thought, okay, Cam's going to take advantage of this. Lehechka so disappointed after not getting that first set, but credit the young Czech star. I mean, he came back beautifully in that second set, was able to dictate play, but Nori then got it back together in the third. But again, Laheshka just kept coming at Nori, going hard off the deep in the court, and Nori was trying to finish points off and so fast around the court. Played in the next-gen final. That experience certainly helped him on this big of a stage, and what a win it was for Laheshka. 21-year-old into the fourth round of a major for the first time. A year ago, he was ranked 142 in the world. He's now up to around 50. Hadn't won a major match. He's already taken out two seeds. That's why he looks like that right now. Big time win. 
Uh, Yannick Sinner also looking for some revenge. John had lost to Marton Fucevic twice at majors. Early on, it looked like a third defeat was imminent. Yeah, we were well on our way. Look at the score box here. I mean, for the first hour of this match, look at that shot. Lindsay, did you see that one-hander? Uh, that's Fucevic, and it's just his best of three tennis. We have an Italian seat out, but it is not. One break of serve by Sinner completely turned this match around. Uh, this was a weird one. 6 4, 6 4. We're on our upset. Then there's the break by Sinner. Dips that two love lead. And then all Sinner. He lost three games, Sinner did, in about the first 12 minutes of this match. He lost three games in the last three sets. The 15th seed playing like it right back in the fourth set. And then really rolled this one out in the fifth. Three hours, 33 minutes, but that's a little deceptive because the bulk of that was in the first two sets. Weird match. I suspect Sinner will take it. It's unclear. Compromise, but look at that scoreline. Don't see that often. Lost the first two sets and then lost three games the rest of the afternoon. Sinner advances. A delayed double bagel to finish. One of the last 12 games of the match completes his first comeback from two sets down. Martina, take a look at this draw. Who are you liking? Well, I'll tell you, this Lahechka, we'll see him again. He's just getting started. I really like what I'm seeing from this young Czech. Since it passed, big opening here. I mean, Sinners has to be a little, maybe a little tired in, in, the, in the fifth set, but... Uh, Overall, I think uh, Tsitsipas should get through that. Um, but, you know, Ojo Aliasin has been a bit up and down. It's, uh, it's totally up in the air, but uh, Korda should take a lot of confidence from that win against Medvedev. Center Tsitsipas rematch from the quarterfinals last year in Melbourne. That was won by the Greek in straight sets. Uh, looking ahead to some matches today, Martina. This one for you. We've got an all-Czech matchup. Uh -oh. We've got Linda Fruvertova, Marketa Vondrasova. Later in the show, we've got a feature coming up on the two sisters, Brenda and Linda. I'm curious, what's your belief on how good they can be? And and in the uh, I, both really good athletes clearly have really good uh, coaching to get this fired this fast and uh, you know the Czechs they know how to play that drop going up and play teaches how to play tennis but we'll see how they progress but so far so good as far as Vondrosheva against Povitova I think Marketa should win this match although she'll probably be feeling a lot more pressure playing playing against a Czech who's younger always brings extra pressure for these players in these smaller countries. Uh, but the, the, the um, uh, experience that uh, Vondrosheva has, I think, should do well for her. Also heavier balls, um, you know, she can control a little bit better. But because the balls are heavier, the flat hitters have been doing better in this tournament, which would be more profitable than Vondrosheva. So it'll be between the ears more than anything with those two plays each other. Yeah, looking forward to it. Lindsay and John will talk more about Linda and Brenda Fruvertova later in the show. Uh, how about Katie Volinets <laughs> coming off her first career top 10 win against Veronica Kudermitova? What would your advice be to her to not have a let up in that next round? You know, it's so tough because Katie's done so well to get through qualifying now in the third round, but then you look who she plays and it's possibly a winnable match. She's not playing Sviantek or Pagula. She's playing Jang. So, it, she might feel some of the pressure out there, but you've got to just try and stay in the moment and not think about what's ahead. If I win this match, this might happen. She has a great game. She is so solid. Love the addition of a little bit more offense into her game. She was finishing points off great so far here. She's so comfortable having won now five matches at Melbourne Park. It's a lot of good stuff from, from Katie. Just do not want to get caught up in the moment. 
This will be a, a theme for this week as we see these upsets. How are you going to back it up? Part of this is physical, right? How is Andy Murray going to back up playing 10-plus hours in his first two matches? But also, we'll talk next about Popperin. That's another example. How are some of these young players with these signature wins, biggest wins of their career, what do they do in the subsequent match? And, and Popperin is taking on Ben Shelton. So we've got 13 American men and women in the third round in Melbourne. That's the most since 2004. Ben Shelton, we know former NCAA champion, right? They're playing on John Kane Arena. So the crowd was going nuts for Alexi Popperin the other night. How does Ben Shelton use that college tennis experience to manage this sort of atmosphere? Great point. Uh, if one player is particularly well-suited to take advantage of that, who knows how to deal with crowds, both winning them over and blocking them out, it's the guy who played SEC college tennis. Uh, keep in mind, too, the winner of that match plays either J.J. Wolf or Michael Moe. Wow. So imagine you're Ben Shelton, right? It's, it's your first Australian Open. You've had some nice wins. Lefty game. You're playing a local who beat Taylor Fritz in the previous round in Popperin, and then you know that you play a familiar face in the next round for a shot at the quarters. A lot on the line for Ben Shelton today. Martina, what do you yeah, think? How these players play? Uh, uh, how these players react when they have a big win, but they've never been there before. Shelton and how they react after, like Katie Bonayets. Uh, we'll see how she does in her next match. That tells me a lot about whether they're satisfied with what, where they are or how eager they are. And also how well they play, because it is a letdown after no matter what, who you play when you beat a big player. So, but when they react well and either it's a close match or the win, that kind of tells you a little bit about their mindset. So I'm looking forward to see how she does in her next match. Yeah, I think everything about the Popper and Shelton match will be about the atmosphere out there. That too. Uh, on that court, you're able to get in if you have a grounds pass. So historically, it's been a little bit more wild out there. Of course, Shelton's used to that, but I don't know if you're, he's used to 18,000 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. right. And it was a lot for Fritz out there. The energy that the crowd has been giving some of the Australian players has been off the charts, so supportive. But I love to see Shelton. He's, you know he's going to give it back to the crowd. Yeah, he's exactly. going to bring his own energy. Oh. So <laughs> right. highly recommend tuning in for that one. I don't know if it'll happen, but I feel like he has the personality that could flip maybe a third of that audience to root for him. Uh, yeah. An Aussie crowd? Yeah. No. I don't I know. Mean, he, he, most he's magnetic. Places, yes, but I think that they're going to they're yeah. stay patriotic. All right. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we, we saw Andre Rublev, Dan Evans walking in. Who you got winning that one? Yeah, I, th I think Rublev. And, you know, I mean, we, we, what do we always say about him? He could win a major. He doesn't <laughs> seem to get it done at majors. He's reliable for the fourth round or the quarters, but doesn't really... I think he's got a real opportunity here, Rublev. A big favorite. Yep. Martina? Yeah, I'm going with Andre. He's a big hitter. He can hit through these heavier balls. And, uh, and, and, and because they're heavier, he'll be able to uh, control them better. And he's been much more aggressive coming to the net a lot more, which is much easier to finish off the points. So I think Andre is a big favorite for me in this match, even though lifetime, they're even four and four. All right. Great job with the lighting, Martina, yeah, once again. Cool. I mean, Thank just... you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Much more still to come here on. <laughs> Wait, what was that? What were you looking for? I don't know which dog chewed up the cord, but anyway. Oh, okay. It's all good. So many to choose from. Probably Lulu. Although Lulu only has no, that one tooth. She has one no tooth. So maybe not. I'm saying Abby. <laughs> Welcome back. Jessica Bagula getting locked in and loaded for doubles today. She lost in mixed doubles yesterday with Austin Krychek. So that could be a good thing. Only two divisions of tennis to play, doubles and singles. There's Coco 
What, what's that? What is, it's not the Smith seated, machine, uh, Prakash. Look at that. They're seated higher in doubles. This is called a little activation work, Weissman, okay. getting the, uh, you know, the rotator cuff, scapula, all that stuff activated before getting out there. Love it. Love it. A lot, lot available for these players. Time now for our Bet365 match preview. I love that sound every time. <laughs> Surprises me. Uh, second meeting between Tommy Paul, Jensen Brooksby. Paul won the first last year in Cincy. Both can be U.S. Davis Cup teammates in February. John, what do you think? I like Tommy Paul here. Um, won their only head-to-head on a relevant surface. That was in Cincinnati last year. He's ranked a teeny bit higher. Brooks be a very tricky player, but I'm going. Uh, I'm going with the, with the veteran. By going yeah, with the, the favorite, I guess. I'm going with Tommy in, Paul in this one, Tommy Paul. Uh, what about you? Well, a little intangible. Also, Tommy switched rackets in the offseason, okay. and when you when you switch to something new, and all of a sudden you start having some results, having some wins. You all of a sudden certainly feel like it has made a difference. That could be playing a little bit in your head. He certainly does look like he's getting some good pop on the balls. But I, I, I am leaning towards Jensen. I, I stuck with this yesterday, and just after that match against Casper, I think as it is, he's a confident kid. And I think this, is, this has elevated his confidence. I think he's going to be rough today. Are we going to talk about how we were correct yesterday? Remember, it was Korda yeah. and That's Medvedev? Right. Yes. He's not winning in straight sets, Medvedev. <laughs> we called that one. How, how do you game plan against Jensen Brooksby? Oh, that's the tough part, right? Because nobody really plays like him out there. He, he's creativity, but he also has the power. The backhand is really exceptional, and how he uses his left hand really better than anyone to be able to pull it. Uh, you got to try and make inroads returning and try and put some pressure on him when he's serving. Uh, and I think you got to go more forehand than you do mm. backhand. The backhand, he's got the great two-handed drive, but he also can throw in some off-speed with the slice. Mm. Um, it would be tricky because nobody plays like him, so you're not really sure how to approach it. That, that two-hand backhand volley. Uh, yep. that's, yeah, right. <laughs> watch out for those. I, I'm with you on the, uh, the Berksby pick there. Time to see what's trending on social media. And we talked about this earlier, John. Uh, after walking off the court at 4 a.m., we are asking, should... Grand Slams have cutoff times to prevent athletes from pulling all-nighters. Lindsay, what say you? A thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is that time? Uh, probably between 1.30 and 1, 1.30, maybe. That early? That early? Yeah. I mean, Which Wimbledon's 11. So what would yeah. we do? I mean, you, you think uh, it should be what? Two if you're making a time. Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe one, but that's just my opinion. But what's what's your reasoning? I mean, is it because of the competition? Is it the Everything. ball kids? It's is the it... fans. It's, it's the staff that has to stay. And then when you turn around and play starts like six, seven hours later, it's impossible for everyone. But it makes it impossible for the player to come back and have a that's, realistic that's shot. Right. It impacts the event. It's yeah. not just sort of uh, people are tired and we make coffee jokes. It has an impact on the, on the Venus had a Venus had a great line last year. They asked her, if you were commissioner of tennis, what would you do? She said, well, if I was commissioner of tennis, I would get rid of all of night matches at Grand Slams. Hmm. And then I would quit the next day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Venus, that's, that's, that's great. Sounds about that's right. Great. I, I mean, you know, Roland Garros tried the one night match, but started way too late. I mean, yep. 9 p.m. That's we ran too late. into curfew right. issues. Yeah. yeah. No. So I start the night matches earlier. Move them up. 6 p.m. Yeah, that's fine. But I, I still think uh, yeah, I even maybe what, the, go the towards midnight still going now. On. No, but only have two. Yeah. If you're having it on the main court, two matches that start at 11 and then two that start time at 6. Wise, though, I lean towards your, your one-ish time because there's so much that has to be done after. Right. You know, for everything to shut down, not right. just the players, but the crew Certain and so forth. Certain surfaces clean the court yeah. or prep it for the next day. It's, it's tough. It's a lot. Right. 
But the player, the one thing they don't want that they all talk about is we cannot start earlier than 11. You've got to get up early. Right. You've got to hydrate. Yeah. You've got to stretch. So people say, why don't you just start at 9 in the morning? Yeah. Players will have none of that. Yeah. And evening matches, too. It has to be an evening match. You, know, you can't have it be a late afternoon match. You still have to get after work, get the family together, whatever. 7 yeah. p.m. seems to be the zone. The, time, uh, the, the fact that we have talked about this match and Andy Murray so much over the last two days, I think that's good for the sport. I mean, you've seen it on all the highlights. I know as a player, not a great deal, but for the sport in general. I'll, I'll give you one other one. A former player texted me and said, this sport has a problem. You know, this is perception and we can all disagree, but sort of still has a, oh, it's a country club and mainstream fans still think of it as a soft sport. And when players are going at four in the morning, it chips away at that. Uh, th this player is basically saying it only happens a couple times a year. It only happens at majors and it chips away. And, oh, it's sort of a wimpy country club elitist sport. He doesn't mind this for what it's worth. Is there another sport that you could be playing at 4 a.m.? And, or, and you could have been started hockey, at 8.30. Potentially baseball. There's no clock. Well, there is in hockey, but yeah. baseball, no clock. Has it ever yeah. happened that they've played to 4 a.m.? 4 a.m., I'm not. They've played some yeah. early, no, I know that, early but into the morning. But the Le Mans 24-hour race. There you go. That's about all. <laughs> <laughs> that's about all I can come up with. The Ironman. Some of those folks get in. No, yeah, but the, I get it, but. Point taken. I think it's silly. All right. Silly. Lindsay gets the final word. Donna Beckich wearing Donna Sport. She's got her own fashion line these days. And now she's gone. It's all Coco. We'll be back after this. Hey, nasty pops. Welcome back. Moments away from first ball on day six. We're headed to the round of 16. Is that man, Betty Schultz, Ben Shelton. Last in the tunes, getting ready to face Alexi Popperin on the always rowdy John Kane Arena. Young American doing big things in Melbourne. First trip abroad. All right, stat of the day, John, what do you got? We've been focusing all of our attention in the Southern Hemisphere. Let's take this back to North America, the U.S. in particular. Look at this. This is from our friends at the USDA. 33% growth of tennis participation, we are told, since 2020. That, of course, coincides with COVID. Great way to social distance, play tennis. Uh, but that growth has kept up, and that's, uh, that's good news. Hopefully that uh, translates to pro players, to consistent TV coverage, attendance at the U.S. Open, all sorts of offshoots. But uh, some nice numbers from uh, the folks at the USTA. Let's go tennis. Yeah, Come on, bring it. All right, hot shot of the day, Prakash. Well, in addition to being able to get this win after winning the first two sets, dropping the second two sets, Hubie Hercotts gets her hot shot of the day with a defensive outside the alley scoop. Backhand pass off the line. Not just that, but it comes on a huge point here in the second set. Slides on that outside foot. Marvelous left hand to be able to bring that ball in. And you know what? Who says I'm low key? I'll play to the crowd. Why not? <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10, Linz. How tough is that shot? That, uh... These guys slide so well, though, but pretty tough. Seven and a half? Okay. That's it? Eight? I, I, was, I thought it was eight or above. Critical <laughs> for here. Oh, gosh. Apparently, Dave, it was a warm shot. What was I just telling you about in our commercial break? What was I just telling you? Read on Eight and a half. All right. Well, we got it We got it up. We got it up to eight and a half. Uh, what do you think of the schedule, one to ten? So strange. I mean, Rod Laver Arena is just a lot of openness in both drops. Yeah. Yeah. We've been waiting for that with some of these greats that have been dominating and all of a sudden there's no Roger. Rafa goes out early. Mm -hmm. You see Novak there, but then there's some holes there. There's a lot of opportunity now on the men's side. We've seen that the last couple of years on the women's side. Yep. So a lot of names that maybe the ca new names that the casual tennis fan has got to get to know.
Djokovic taking on Dimitrov, 11th meeting. Haven't played in three years. It's 9-1 for Novak. Yeah. So uh, we do have that injury concern. And Djokovic says he is worried. He, he says he's worried about this thing. How worried are you? Seven and a half. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the track record against Dimitrov says it all. I do think Dimitrov an athletic player. He can make Novak move a little bit. But I just, you know, I mean, uh, last time Dimitrov beat Novak was ten years ago almost. Uh, best of five tennis. Novak has, I, I guess to his credit, he's been fairly outspoken. He said, listen, this is not ideal. This is, you know, I'm, I'm suboptimal. But it hasn't really shown too much. I don't think he gets much resistance. Uh, Dimitrov put out a quote saying, you know what, I, I really have something to prove to myself here. And I don't think he's done what he's wanted to do the last five, six, seven years. So I think it's an opportunity to just kind of play a little bit outside the box. Don't just do the same thing. Don't go out there and lose a nice match, mm. five, six, and two. Yeah. Get out there and, and try something different. You know, try to, try to play a little bit bigger than normal and go for it. Not practicing on his days off either, Djokovic. But as you said, obviously a huge favorite against Dimitrov. Caroline Garcia, when I told you who she was playing, Today, uh, you, you, you were like, uh, she's, Caroline's not going to have a lot of problems. Well, I mean, Garcia, if she plays at this level that we've seen for the last eight months or so, no, she shouldn't have a problem. It's very tough for Sigmund to dictate play. She tries to use her slices and her drop shots and some high balls. That really, I don't think off speed throws Garcia off, and she's going to be well inside the baseline to return that serve. Siegman's serve, not that hard. It's a nice match for Garcia to play, feel even better about her game, and I think she gets her pretty comfortably. One, one to ten, John. Uh, Lindsay against Sigmund right no, now. No, 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 stop. stop. Yeah, right no, 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 no. Just, she's good. I just was seven and a half. against her. She still hits the ball big. She still hits the ball big. It's a day of seven and a half. That's, eh, this show is about a seven and a half. For John, Prakash, Lindsay, I'm Steve. Thank you so much for joining us on TC Live.